Hey everybody, hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying sane, staying in shape. This is the San Diego Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy podcast by and for members of the gym, where we will be highlighting some of our members at the gym and their stories to give you a little insight into the people at the gym and how Jiu-Jitsu has impacted their lives. Uh, my guest today is Nikki Brown. Nikki got started at the gym after looking for an outlet for her son and talks about how Jiu-Jitsu helped her gain security and confidence and some lifelong friendships. So, hope you enjoy. What's up? Hi. Hey, how's it going? Does it work? It works. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, totally. Cool. Good to see you. How's it going? Nice to see you. Living the dream, man. Yeah, you staying busy? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no. been an interesting time, right? I mean, I've become a painfully average uh, homeschool teacher. And other than that, we're just, we're waiting it out. I hear you. Yep. Same thing for everybody, right? Just staying at home until we hear otherwise. Yep, for sure. It took Nico to the beach last weekend and that was nice. We couldn't lay out or anything, but we threw the football and he got to boogie board. So it was nice to give him some normalcy, you know? Yeah, definitely. You have to like just walk, right? You have to like stand up. They won't let you sit down. You can stand. You just can't sit down. And you can't park at the beach either. No, I parked like on the street and then we walked. This is a, this is a weird time, man. Unprecedented. Everybody that I've talked to, you know, old people will like, like, Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. interesting when I talk to pe- like people, like my dad is 60 and he's like, I've never, I've never seen anything. This is the dumbest thing. My dad is so upset about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I called Sensei Walter like at the beginning of this and I got his wife. She picked up the phone. I called their home phone. And, um, she, and this was like two weeks into it, right? We shut down on the 13th and like a week or two later, I called him just to kind of check in on him and see how he was doing. And she was like, I really think that young people should start getting back to work. Like, this is all getting blown out of proportion. And he's like 73 years old, you know? Love. Yes. My, uh, my dad is, uh, he's 60 and he's had pneumonia twice. And he's like, this is, you need to go to work. Like, if he's like, you don't quarantine well people. You quarantine sick people. If they don't want to get sick, they should stay home. Yeah, I get it. And I also see both sides of the corn, you know? like oh, Totally. Yeah, it's it's a little frustrating for those of us who aren't worried at risk. Um, but then at the same time, I think about it like if I was living with my mom, my mom, you know, you know, I would I would definitely want to err on the side of caution, which is what I've been saying from the beginning of this. I'd rather err on the side of caution than you know, like in Arizona where I'm from, right now everybody that I'm hearing is saying they're not taking enough precaution. You know, they're opening up restaurants and they haven't really even isolated a whole lot in the first place. And then I have family in New York and they were saying like, it's been going crazy out there. I told them I was at Target and everybody had to stand six feet away from each other. And somebody was cleaning the, uh, the register every single time somebody used it at the self-checkout, right? And I was like, it's nuts, right? And then my family in New York is like, no, we need more of that. So I think it's different for people in different places. But, um, but I, get, I get people's frustrations out here. And I also understand you know, wanting to be cautious for the people who are at risk. We can't just disregard them, you know. For sure. Yeah. So what are we doing today? Oh, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about, like, what your experiences have been like at the gym, like how you got started. Okay. When did you get started at the gym? It was like six years ago, you said, right? Well, we started Dominic six years ago, and then we, um, then Reggie joined shortly after that. And it was a fight for 
firm me to get Dominic to join. Reggie's like, this is what I want to do with him. And I was like, nah, dude, he's four. Like, we don't need him. And I, how are you going to teach a four-year-old that you can't use this except when it's on the mats? Like, you, well, he's going to school next year. How do we know he's not going to, like, drop kick some kid? Like, we can't do that. <laughs> he's just like, no, I think this is going to be really good for him. Um, you know, we had, we had not necessarily disciplinary issues with him, but he didn't talk until he was almost three. And so there was a lot of, um, you know, kind of catching up that we had to do with him. And honestly, it was the best thing we could have done for him. Like it was awesome. So Reggie started probably like, I don't know, I want to say a year ish later. And then I started a year ish after that and I would go and then I would not go and then I would go and then I would not go and then I had um something pretty traumatizing happen um just in my personal life and it was like every day I was going to the 7 a.m class and then the 6 15 class almost every single day and it like got me through this like three months like super down time it like it legit it saved my life and I haven't stopped since I hear you. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with you that was like difficult for me to comprehend because I don't think of jujitsu as self-defense. For me, like this is life after wrestling. This is a sport. This is something that I do for fun. It's my hobby. It's like human chess, you know, it's like a puzzle. But something that you said to me when we were talking about the possibility of starting a women's only class was 100% of the women who are in there are training this for self-defense. Yeah. I mean, Talk to any woman you know, and if she's walking at night in a mall, she'll have her keys between her fingers. Like, we're so over aware, we're so vigilant of our surroundings, or at least we should be, because, I mean, stats are stats. One in three women is attacked in their lifetime. Like, that's a lot, but everyone knows, yeah. one in three people, everyone knows somebody that something bad has happened to, as far as women are concerned. And I feel like it's given, um, given a lot of confidence just to handle myself, especially my job. You know, I'm, I'm in a room alone with someone who typically will outweigh me by at least a hundred pounds, you know? Right. Yeah. You're a massage therapist for those people who don't know. <laughs> um, you see those videos all the time. I follow a bunch of those like Instagram BJJ self-defense videos and you see videos all the time of girls like putting dudes in arm bars or like even just, I saw one recently where a girl like was able to retain guard for some guy who was trying to steal her bag. And then it was hilarious at the end of it, she stood up and then started chasing after him. You know, mm -hmm. it's crazy. And, and again, I think a big part of this is Elio Gracie, who is one of the founders of this sport, talks about, I may not tap you, right? I may not get you every single time, but you're not going to get me. Like just being able to protect yourself, to defend yourself, not necessarily being the assailant, but being able to handle yourself as a victim. And that's why the first thing that I teach everybody is how to escape when somebody is on your back. How to escape when somebody has you in mount, you know, when somebody has you in one of those uncomfortable positions, when we remember when we were all white belts with no grappling experience, you are helpless until you start to learn otherwise. It's, it's crazy. Well, and it's, and what's so good too about, you know, about the gym there is that, you know, if there's, you know, a, a solid like three or four girls or, you know, especially more recently when there would be like 10 girls in one class, you know, sensei or Adam or someone would always like kind of to the side and sensei would always be like hey you want to you want to learn something that you can't do here but you can do out there and he would uh. have these little like tips and tricks and even um tim like he did a self-defense class just for girls one night and we had like even some of our daughters like our teenage daughters come in and just like 
hey, if this happens, if someone holds you against a wall, this is what you do. And I feel like just that little bit of knowledge is so, um, it's key, you know, it's the difference between, oh my gosh, that could have been really bad or, oh my gosh, that was so traumatizing. Like it, it matters. It shapes you, especially as teenagers, you know, and me having a daughter that's 15, it's everything right now. You know, as soon as she like gets back to school immediately, she'll be a junior in high school. She'll be 16. She's about to get her driver's license. And then it's like game on, you know? And so I want to make sure that she has every tool possible in order to protect herself. You know, she, you can't stop kids from growing up. They're going to go to parties. They're going to do stuff that, you know what I mean? They're going to be in positions that I'm not going to be able to protect her. I want to make sure she knows sure. how to protect herself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a unique thing about jujitsu versus like any other martial art that you learn is like the sport was founded by a dude who was 130 pounds or really I, should, I shouldn't say founded, but made what it is today by a guy who was 130 pounds. Like, it's hard to defend yourself with strikes because a lot of people think you're just going to light somebody up with your hands, not realizing you're probably going to break your hand or punch the concrete or something like that. Whereas we can control somebody in a really controlled manner and defend yourself in a place that you're not going to hurt yourself. And you don't have to be the biggest, strongest person to be effective at it. You know, like, like I'm sure, you know, junior who I roll with in the 7am class. So I'm, I'm up to like 210 pounds, by the way, I've been, I've been getting really heavy. But junior. <laughs> Junior is a runner and a vegan and he weighs 130 pounds and playing with the dude is so frustrating because he rolls out of every single position and he's smiling, laughing at you the whole time. Like you cannot hold on to him. It's like playing against water and, and you know, he does it for the same reason. And, uh, and I think it's really effective in that regard where it's kind of like low risk and you don't have to be evenly matched with the person to, um, to have a disparity. If your skill is better than theirs, then you'll definitely be able to defend yourself. So well and it's and it's so cool from from my perspective too, because I can go in and I can learn stuff that's actually applicable and you know if ever there was a real life situation. But there's also days where you can like go in and I could be like, hey Sal, I've had a really bad day. I'm gonna beat you up. And he, you know, he's the biggest person ever. There's nothing I could do that would hurt him in the slightest ever, but I can go through and just like get all the aggression out and I can learn, you know, it's, it's so, um, you know, you, I can play the human chess. I can play the game side of it, but it's still so effective for real life. You know, everything. It's amazing. It teaches yeah, you how to breathe. It teaches you how to focus. It's yes, perfect. Yeah. It teaches you a lot about who you are as a person. And uh, it's really unique in the sense, I was just talking to Nick about this, Nick Rotunda, that it's a rare martial art that you can actually spar at 100%, you know? And like mm -hmm. you said, like, the further along you get, the more control you have, the less likely you are to hurt somebody, but you can still go 100%, and, um, and that's something that you don't really get out of a lot of martial arts. And uh, touching on another point that you brought up there, I posted a picture from the last day that we were at the old location, and uh, and... I said, I've seen people here, you know, in their happiest moments. And I've seen people here surrounded by love in their most difficult moments. And whatever it is that you need when you walk into the gym, like you were talking about, if, if you're not even there to train, if you're just there to, to hang out with your friends and to talk and make people laugh and get your social, great. This is a great spot for it. And on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, if you want to be the guy who doesn't say anything to anybody, just wants to shut up and get a sweat in, we have that for you too. And everything in between, you know, if you're looking for self-defense, if you're looking for sport, if you're looking for community, we've got it all there. Like we're really fortunate. Like I, I just stumbled into the gym by chance. 
you know like i I just was looking for something after wrestling right i started boxing after wrestling thinking that that was where my game needed to lack needed to improve you know for for an overall fighting experience and then after that and despite wrestling for eight years i would still get tapped out by jujitsu guys with minimal knowledge and so i'm like okay this is where i need to go and i just happened to stumble into one of the greatest facilities in the country you know we've got over 600 people before all this and the community the people that you encounter i remember when sensei was starting on the new building he needed a guy to do the parking lot he needed a guy to do the roof he needed a guy to do the loan like anything that you need there the community is so big and so welcoming that you can find that if you're like hey i'm looking for a massage therapist for example we've got one in-house you know it's it's a really great community and and it's so trippy to me that i just stumbled into it and happened to find like i don't know i i wouldn't i couldn't imagine myself being anywhere else well, and you, I mean, you as a, as a single adult too, to stumble into that is beautiful, but you know, I, I came in there, you know, and I have these little kids, you know, I have these, you know, cause I started Kayla in it too. It wasn't exactly for her, you know, and it's not going to be for everybody, but gosh, if it wasn't the best thing that we did for Dominic, I still, I still am grateful that Reggie found it. He did his due diligence. He did his research. He liked Paulo's gym. And so that's where, that's where we started. But honestly, I've, I, it's been a really long time since I have come into contact with a group of that many people. And we all, we parent so differently, but it's so respectful and respectable. I would trust a multitude of those families with my kids. You know, they say it takes a village, but all these people want, all we want is for our kids to be the best people that they can be. We want them to be able to take care of themselves and defend themselves and be healthy and get good exercise and be disciplined, but we all can still laugh together, you know, and, you know, our kids can tap each other out. They've made each other cry. And right afterwards, they hug each other and they shake hands and they learn all of the good sportsmanship. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful experience to be a part of, you know, and to have my son start at four and now he's 11 and it's ingrained, like he's, you know, Dominic, he's, I mean, the kid has more energy than anyone I know, and he's never broken a bone. And you want to know why? Because the first thing Sensei taught him was how to fall. Yep. How is it possible that my 11 year old has never broken a bone? And that, <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced of it. That's why, because he like yeah, WWE's everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does love the WWE. And, and touching on what you were saying before, I think, you know, as a parent, you can only do so much. Like you are the number one role model in your child's life. But like, for example, my first person who is kind of like a father figure aside from my father was my high school wrestling coach. It is so important to have those people who can do the things that your parents necessarily can't necessarily do. You know, like my coach could be a lot harder on me and a lot more real with me when I wasn't doing something that I was supposed to be doing, whereas my dad's job was just kind of to be supportive, you know? And it's so important to have people that you trust to be around to influence your kids. And there's no shortage of them where we are, for sure. I mean, you make lifelong connections because I was talking to Nick about this last podcast I did. You know, when you're this close to somebody's face and you guys are trying to, to rip each other's arms off, it's, there's no qualms. There's no secrets. Like, there's, there's a bond there that's, that's hard to describe with words, you know? Wrestlers yeah. last. Jiu-Jitsu players, I'm hoping that, that I'm making some connections that even the guys that don't train at the gyms, I'm still in touch with, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we share a really intimate, unique bond. 
Well, yeah. And, you know, and, and as a, and as a woman, you know, you get to, um, you get to have that comfort in, you know, rolling around with other women and seeing, you know, where your, where your strength is. And then when, you know, I'm comfortable enough to roll with men and that, you know, they always, you know, there's always someone teaching you something. There's always someone pointing something out that you can do better. And none of it is, um, it's not criticism necessarily. It's just, everybody wants everybody to get better. And it's really nice having been in a place for so long, like Sensei Paulo, Sensei Adam, you, Dylan, you guys, like, you know, my kids so well that if he comes in and he's having an off day, I feel like you guys know the days that he needs a hug. You know, the days he needs a kick in the ass, you know, the days that he like needs to work really hard. You know, the days he needs to be encouraged and it's priceless. It's, you know, it really does. It's, it's a beautiful thing to have that much support because it's hard. Like raising kids is hard. And so if me and Dominic are going in where he had a bad day at school and I had a bad day at work and we go in and we're drained and we can go in and like get recharged, but do it in such a healthy manner. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I very rarely see people leaving the gym upset. It's hard. Yeah. It reminds me of that, that legally blonde line where she says, happy people don't just go around killing their husbands, you know? <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. sure. What do you miss the most about it? Seeing the people or what? Um, yeah, you know, at first I miss seeing the people, but, um, you know, I've, I've tried to keep in contact with most everybody, you know, I have people on my Instagram and I like watch their stories. You know, I've seen Amber go camping and like, you know, I, we, me and Soph have like driveway and, you know, happy hour in the driveway, like six feet apart. Um, mm. but honestly, if I, I just, I would pay money to choke somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I would almost pay money to like get choked. I really miss rolling around. I miss hitting the bags. I miss somebody like yelling at me to run faster. Like I just, I miss all of it. I miss the, the gym. I, I didn't realize how much I went to the gym. I didn't realize what a huge part of my normal routine it was every single day, every single day. I, it was, I just, I miss all of it. I miss, but I definitely miss the people I miss seeing sensei. I miss the laughs. I miss, you know, even the little small talk of, Hey, how are you? How was your day? Um, I really miss the, uh, the kids, you know, yeah. all of the kids. It was always miss Mickey, miss Mickey. And it's like, where are all my kids? And I'm going to see them, you know, when we finally open up and they're all going to have grown 10 feet and they're going to be huge. And it's like, what happened to the babies? They're all going to be yeah. enormous. Yeah. Yeah. How come your facial hair is better than mine and you're 11 years old? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's Dominic. <laughs> yeah. And that reminds me of something that you were talking about earlier. I totally spaced, but I wanted to touch on it where you were talking about everybody there just wants you to get better. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, the people who have egos don't last because they don't want to be told what to do. They just want to reinforce their old bad habits. And that's why everybody who's, who's, you know, really makes it past, I would say that like six month, one year mark is just like the nicest person that you'll ever meet. And my best friends are guys who have just beaten the tar out of me. And and guys who I train with, they know if I'm being rough on you, that's that's the way that I can show you that I love you the most. I care about you. If you're a cop and you're training at the gym, I give you extra work because it could be the difference between life or death for you and I care about you. 
I want to see you be your best you. I'm going to point it out and exploit it when you make mistakes. And it's not because I'm trying to be a jerk and capitalize on it and, and necessarily make myself better, but it's because I want you to improve and then we all improve. It's a great collective experience. Yeah, it's, it's really nice when you roll with someone and you do something and then someone else is watching you. It happens on the regular. I'll be rolling with Soph or who, whoever it is I'm rolling with and Sal will stop and be like, okay, look, go back. Instead of doing this, do this. And it's the tiniest little tweak, but it makes all the difference. And it's like, and it, you know, and it may be somewhat self-serving because it's like, if you're better, then I'm going to get better, you know, sure. and it, it just pushes that greatness and it's important. It's good. I, I feel like it's, you want to be around people that inspire you. You want to be around people that want to better themselves. And I feel like yeah. it, it's that circle of like, everyone just wants to be a better not even just a jujitsu player. Everyone wants to be a better person. And I feel like that, that matters more than the sport. It's such a collective. Definitely. And you learn lessons on how to be a person by going through the trials and tribulations of the sport. You learn how to be coachable. You learn how to deal with adversity. Um, you know, there's, there's really nothing like it. And another thing you're talking about being around people who care about you getting better you know, a lot of people, I remember hearing this on a podcast years ago, the Entree Leadership Podcast, they were saying a lot of people are great track stars in high school because you have people to keep you accountable, but they never run again as soon as they graduate because you don't, it's, it's hard to stay accountable on your own. Like having somebody looking over your shoulder or having somebody who's that fire behind you or that mountain in front of you really brings out the best of you or both, you know, in, in, in uh, an ideal situation. Like, it's hard. That's why I'm worried about this time. It's hard to stay on track on your own. But when you've got somebody on your heels who you know you're better than, it really keeps you coming back to the gym because you don't want to give them an inch, you know? Right. For yeah. sure. And it's and it's nice, too, because, you know, they're the, like those lessons that you were talking about, um, you know, when you've got someone so much bigger on top of you and they're getting heavy and they're smashing you, you know, it's kind of like life. If life is heavy and there's a lot of pressure, Sometimes the best thing to do is not to flail. Sometimes you have to stop and you have to breathe and you have to get your game plan together and then you make your move. Then you become explosive instead of all these little teeny useless movements that you're going to be doing. Sometimes you got to like stop and regroup and get your balance and get your breath and get your head right. And I feel like it's such an important life lesson. It translates. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember having a moment like that when I was wrestling in college where I felt like I was drowning. I just couldn't do anything to get this guy off my back. And the moment that it clicked for me was, I remember hearing, if you take like a long, she called it, it was Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She called it a long, luxurious exhale. You can trick your central nervous system into stopping panicking, right? To stopping anxiety. And I just make that conscious realization that, okay, I'm not gonna die. Like this is my friend. This is really not that dangerous of a situation. And it's a great kind of dry run for exactly those circumstances where you can go, you know what? I've handled worse. Give me a moment to regroup, think about what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, and then I'll advance from there. And like you said, that's a jujitsu lesson and that's a life lesson. I always joke, I, I always joke that the first thing when you're escaping from the back, you're never supposed to turn away from somebody, right? You're supposed to turn and face them. I always say we face our problems in jujitsu. You don't turn away from them. And that's a exactly. jujitsu life lesson right there. Like stuff like that comes up all the time and it makes me smile and it makes me laugh. So, well, and I there's think, something um, 
jujitsu too that makes you want to be better you know I've been training I've been doing yoga for way longer than I've been doing jujitsu but I won't stop doing yoga you know there's some days where it's like oh I don't you know maybe I don't want to do that today but it's like no because my flexibility is half of my jujitsu game like I can't lose that yeah I remember seeing something online that was saying jujitsu can turn like the grossest dude into a productive member of society because suddenly he's doing laundry every day you know Mm -hmm. all, all that kind of stuff like it really, it really permeates into other aspects of your lifestyle, which is why I think you see so many people making really big transformations. So I, I think that um, your jujitsu game says a lot about your personality, you know, like, are you a top player? Are you a smash passer? But what's your go-to guard when you play jujitsu? My go-to guard? Yeah. You like close guard. I like close guard. And um, when I first started, um, they wanted to teach me. So I first started almost, I think for the first six months that I trained, I only did Adam's class. I only did the 7am class. And the very first key, I'm going to teach you how to play from the bottom. I was like, okay. And so I learned how to play from the bottom for years. That's where I was comfortable. I knew all my submissions from the bottom. I only played on the bottom. And I remember rolling one day and Dylan was like, how come you're not sweeping? What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just more comfortable from the bottom. And he's like, the only reason you should be on the bottom is if you're trying to get to the top. And I was like, oh, and then it changed the whole way I played. And instead of being such a defensive player, I began, you know, being not, I don't want to necessarily say aggressive, but I started attacking more and so you know because you can always defend, but you don't want to start out defending. That gives the other person you know, every advantage. Yeah, the tempo. But you want them to be on the defense. You want them to mess up. And that's why I teach people to escape first, because theoretically, you're going to be getting smashed a lot more than you're going to be doing the smashing. At a certain point, you know, you learn how to survive in those positions, and then you learn how to prevent those positions from happening, like by playing the guard. And then, you know, you've got to learn to use the guard to your advantage to end up on top, because I'm Mm -hmm. a big believer that that's the ultimate goal. There are some guys who are great on bottom, you know, who will sub you from the bottom. But I, I totally agree with Dylan, where I only played bottom long enough to get on top. I want to be on top. Yeah, I, you know, I really appreciate the way that he taught me that first, because now I'm not, I'm not scared to be on the bottom. I'm super comfortable with it. And I really learned, and because I'm so, you know, I'm only five foot one, I'm so short that, um, you know, it's, it's, taught me how to create that type of space. I can use the strength of my legs to push somebody back. And it's, I feel like it's really helped, you know, it's really, you know, keep your, keep your elbows in, don't put your arms all the way out, you'll get submitted. I feel like it's just, it's been a really good way. It was a good way for me to start. Definitely. Yeah. At the very least you can push somebody away and create enough space to run, you know? Right. And because I'm so little, I can gain momentum really quickly. Man, that lap sweep is my go-to. Lap sweep? Yeah, just jump right up and fall over. It's just, you know, it comes right over. It's beautiful. That's a good one. Yeah, I always pull people really close. And then, of course, you know, we get taught you want to posture up in the garden. And then as soon as they back up, I'm just launching them, putting them flat on the <laughs> back. What's your, uh, what's your favorite submission? Um, you know, it was Darce for a while. I was all about the Darce for so yeah. long. <laughs> but honestly, I love, um, I, I like a modified triangle because my, again, because my legs are so short, I can't always get the lock when you get around someone's arm and their head. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just too much. 
So if I get my arm through and I use my arm instead of theirs for the triangle, oh my God, it's my favorite. It's so much fun. People are like, how did you do that? I'm like, oh, let me show you. <laughs> nice, like a short triangle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's unique. It's always crazy when you see somebody get put in like a go-go plot or something like that where you choke somebody mm-hmm. with just your foot, you know? Yep. Cool. Well, Nikki, I really appreciate you being on, having this conversation with me, kind of sharing your perspective with us. Yep, definitely. And, um, yeah, you're, you're our resident massage therapist at the gym. So if anybody is looking to get their neck worked out, I can personally tell you that I dealt with neck pain for seven years. You know that. I couldn't look all the way up for seven years because of constantly going for double legs and wrestling. And I think within five sessions of working with you, we were seeing, together, we were seeing each other once a week. I was finally able to, uh, to look up again. And since then, you've been twisting my neck in all sorts of funky ways, making me like an owl. So I really appreciate that. That has greatly improved my quality of life. No longer am I turning my entire trunk <laughs> to look out the rear view window. So oh, you definitely gosh, do a good worst. job. Yeah. So for thanks sure. again for well, being thanks. on. It was good to see you. I miss you guys. I miss you too. It's great to see you and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yep, for sure. Have a good day. Take care, Nick. You too. Yep, you too. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast. Check out sdbjj.com, sdbjj on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and we'll hope to see you soon. Take care.